This is episode 156. We welcome you to the ADHD Smarter Parenting Podcast. Here to heal and elevate lives is your parenting coach, Kimber Peterson. Hi, this is Kimber. I am your host with Smarter Parenting, and I'm excited to be here today talking about coping skills. I've had several coaching sessions this month where we've talked about, you know, what are the alternatives? If I don't want my child to do this, what do I want them to do instead? And it brings up a good reminder that a lot of times we're so focused on the what not to do that we don't focus enough on the what to do. So this episode is all about coping mechanisms that will help your child diffuse, de-escalate, manage, and regulate. And these are some of the things that we really want our children to learn. But I also find that this list of skills is actually really helpful for us as parents too. I know I've mentioned before, but sometimes as a parent, I will do things like tell my son, no, right now I'm really frustrated and I'm going to take some deep breaths and then I can try to talk to you again. And those kinds of things that just show him that I need a minute too, and that's okay. So these coping skills are great for your child, but they're also great for you. So in today's episode, we are going to talk about a variety of different coping skills that you can teach your children and your family and start to use, how and when to use those coping skills, and then how to evaluate if they're working or if they're not working. Because I get from a lot of kids and a lot of parents that this coping skill just it isn't working. <laughs> and so how do we figure out, you know, what can we do instead? Or is it time to quit on it? Or should we keep on trying out that same coping skill? So let's get started with a list of different coping mechanisms. Now, when I teach people coping skills, I try to break them down into different categories. Now, coping skills often are to divert or to distract our bodies um, from the overwhelming emotion that we're feeling. And sometimes those emotions are really different, right? Sometimes we need to cope with sadness, and that might look different than coping with frustration or anxiety even. So learning a variety of coping skills is really important, and also knowing what type of coping skill is going to be effective for those different emotions is also important. So I break down my coping skills into different categories that match learning styles. Some of our kids are very clearly visual learners. Some of our kids really respond well to auditory things and want to hear and listen and need that in order to calm down and to cope. And then some of our kids are kinetic, especially our ADHD kids, right? So some of our kids really need that kinetic movement, that ability to physically cope and manage their emotions. And that might be done with fidget toys or physical movements or a variety of things. Now, although I break down my coping skills into these different categories, it also, they overlap a little bit, right? So let's go through some examples. So some examples of visual coping skills would be things like drawing. So that's a good one. It's also a movement, right? So it could also fit into our kinetic category. But drawing is a good visual coping skill. Visualizing things like where's your favorite place or picture somebody that you love or even like physically going over and looking at things like family pictures or, you know, videos or pictures of things that they enjoy. Sometimes we need to break up and diffuse an emotion by distracting ourselves a little bit. And so that might be, you know, watching a funny little video that's available or doing a puzzle or something like that that they can look at or reading a book. So these are some of the visual things that we can be doing with our kids. In addition to that, there's some auditory coping skills that we can try out. So my auditory coping skills might be things like saying or speaking something out loud. So they might sing a song to themselves or say the alphabet. They might count to 100 in their head or out loud. 
They could also listen to music or play an instrument, sometimes physically crumpling up a paper, right? This can fit into any of our categories. I can watch myself crumple a paper, I can physically do it, and I can also hear the crinkling of the paper. And sometimes some of those grounding activities can be really effective, especially for our kids that are more destructive when they're feeling overwhelmed. So when they're feeling a lot of emotions and their response is to start hitting things or knocking over toys, trying something that physically they can do, like crumpling up a piece of scrap paper, can be really effective. Even talking it out with somebody that they feel safe with can be a really good auditory coping skill. And then lastly, we have some kinetic coping skills. So kinetic coping skills are going to be our physical movement ones. So squeezing the stuffing out of a stuffed animal, (laughs) Um, doing yoga, stretches is a great one. A lot of people overlook our ability to do stretches, whether small or big, in a variety of different areas. Something that I was recently talking to a family about, the Millers were asking about, you know, how to help their child with coping skills in a variety of different settings. We were talking about her throwing a fit in the grocery store and really struggling in that setting. And when we discussed that, we talked about different things that she might need and be able to do and how her coping skills were really geared towards items that she had at home, like her stuffed animals, her blanket, those kinds of things. And that wasn't very effective in the grocery store. And so they needed to have some things that were available in that moment. So the Millers started doing things like teaching her to use stretches as a coping mechanism because she doesn't need any item to do a stretch somewhere. And in the grocery store, she can even do subtle stretches like pulling on her arms or bending over and touching her toes. Those kinds of things can get done anywhere. And that was really effective for them to start to translate coping skills into different environments. Now, additionally, we've got other coping skills like taking a shower or washing your hands. Touching different textures. My two-year-old has a little blanket that has tags all around the edges. And so when that's available, that's a great coping mechanism to help him calm down. He can touch all the different textures and find something that he is comforted by. You can carry something small like a marble or a little Hot Wheels car or um, a rock or a gem or something that's important to them. They can have it in their pocket. And just physically being able to play with or maneuver that item can be something that grounds them in a moment of stress. Now, I've shared before that I was a foster parent, I am a foster parent, and that I've worked with a variety of different kids. When I talk about coping skills, I can't help but think about a foster son that I had that I worked really closely with and really got to know, and he was different than me, and the way that he needed to cope and manage his emotions was really different. So. Um, One of the things that we've talked about in this is listening to music, and that can be a great coping skill, especially for our teenagers. This boy in particular, he was 10 years old. His name was Adam, and he ended up using music as one of his primary coping skills. I didn't think that that was going to be, you know, such a deal breaker for him. I was a little bit surprised. And when we first started practicing and trying out this coping skill, He actually really needed a different type of music than me. So for me, if I'm going to calm down or relax or use music to manage my emotions, I'm going to listen to something that's calming. Like I love listening to ocean sounds or rain sounds or those kinds of things that are more calming or background noise. Sometimes I'll even listen to like instrumental hits or those kinds of things that it's music that I enjoy, but also it's got that instrumental or acoustic vibe to it that helps kind of calm the environment. And so I assumed as his foster parent that that's what he would need. And so naturally we started trying some of these 
songs and things as coping skills, and it really wasn't helping or getting us anywhere. And one of the things about Adam was that he had a learning disability that really impacted his communication. And so when I would work with Adam on these things, a lot of it was guessing, and it took a while. It took several months of him living with me and me really trying to adapt and change our approach before we started to understand what his needs really were and started to get feedback from him on how things were going. So when we talked with Adam, he actually said he wanted to listen to really uh, loud, heavy metal music. He wanted rock, those kinds of things. And he wanted to listen to it loud and he wanted to, you know, dance around the living room and he wanted to sing along and kind of pump his fist in the air and those kinds of things. And, and I thought that's going to do the opposite. It's not going to help calm him. That's going to just fuel the fire when he's feeling really overwhelmed. But with Adam, we tried it out. We thought, let's give it a chance. And so we started trying having him listen on his headphones to some of this really loud music. And a lot of it was very instrumental still. I mean, we wanted to be mindful of lyrics and those kinds of things. So we were cautious about what we let him listen to. But we did go for things that were, you know, loud and energetic. And he loved it. When he was overwhelmed, if he could listen to his music and really get out and express a lot of that energy he was feeling cooped up, then he was able to finish the song, calm back down, and be able to communicate more clearly. He showed a lot more happiness and ability to interact with his peers and with us as his foster parents and um, even his teachers and all sorts of different people in his life. And we actually saw his communication skills improve over using this coping skill because he was able to express a lot of this energy, but then be able to process and manage his communication a little bit better afterwards, which was enlightening. It was great to see. Now, like I said before, we try to have multiple coping mechanisms, right? Listening to the rock music wasn't always applicable and it wasn't always available. And so there were times where that wasn't the coping skill that he would have access to. And so we worked on several others. And one of the others that we had for him was this little lava lamp timer. And it's so funny to me because it just feels like the opposite, right? Adam loved the loud rock music. And then he also loved this lava lamp timer. And it was just this little trinket that we got off of Amazon, actually. And you just kind of set it up and it it drips down different colors. And then you flip it over and it drips down other different colors. And you can just flip it back and forth. It's kind of like a timer, but it was a very visual coping skill that he really enjoyed. And it was an easy thing to keep in his backpack or in the car or different places that he could pull it out when he needed it. And it was a lot quieter <laughs> than the rock music. So that was helpful too. But it's interesting to me how different those two coping skills are. And I just, whenever I talk about coping skills, I just think of Adam and how I didn't anticipate that those would be the go-to coping skills for him. And I didn't anticipate them being so opposite, but both of them were highly effective for him. And we really needed to try that out. So now that we've gone over a variety of coping skills, let's talk about ways to teach your child the coping skill and the when and where of it. So a lot of parents that I talk with, last week I was talking with a dad named Mark and he was kind of going over his teenage daughters and, well, preteen daughters and talking about, you know, some of the meltdowns and things that they were having in their homes and the different coping skills that they were trying to suggest or implement in those moments. And that during the meltdown, they would suggest things like, okay, take a deep breath or go listen to music or 
um, you know, whatever coping skill they felt like might help in that moment. But there were a couple of things that weren't going smoothly in that process. So one is that they were suggesting a variety of different coping skills. So kind of going all over the map of just throwing them out there and seeing what the girls wanted in that moment of distress. Another issue was that they were just barely starting to suggest things during the middle of the meltdown. And so we talked about how we need to rewind back. They could identify as parents the different triggers, times of the day, those kinds of things that impacted the girls and really made it so that they were more emotional and struggled more. And they also could identify different times of the day when the girls were positive and happy and calm. That's what we kind of refer to as a neutral time. And those neutral times of happy, calm, you know, just spending time together, really just neutral areas of your day, those are our best spots to provide teaching as parents. So Mark and I broke down their day. We identified two to three different times in the day where he really felt like the girls were happy and calm and they had time as a family to work through something together. And those were the times that we decided, okay, these are the opportunities to practice. Now, I am a huge advocate for getting your kids' voices involved as much as possible. And in the teaching family model, which is what we practice in Smarter Parenting, we talk about and emphasize the importance of self-government or a personal voice. And in order to really allow your kids to govern themselves and to buy into decisions and to help manage their emotions, their days, their relationships, we have to give them an opportunity to do so. So Mark and I found different times in their day where they could apply and use problem solving as a skill within their family. And we talked about the SODAS method of problem solving. Now the SODAS method is broken down and it's available on our website. Our website also includes free resources like a worksheet of how to break down the SODAS method. And this is really helpful. I love using this visual worksheet. I've printed off a hundred of them <laughs> and I use them with all of my kids, young and old. But in this problem solving method, we break it down by um, the acronym SODAS. So the first S is situation. We talk about what the situation is. And in Mark's situation, we talked about feeling overwhelmed. And so we wrote that down. So the situation is you're feeling really overwhelmed or you're feeling really emotional. Then we've got options. So break down the situation and list out three different options. So he would sit down with his girls and he would individually work with them to find three different options of how they could handle that situation. And here's where we started implementing some of these coping skill options. So he laid out, you know, here's a variety of different coping skills. What do you think you would like to try in these moments? And so one option might be, I can cry and scream and kick my feet. And that's what they were currently doing. And that was an option, right? That's something that they were actively engaging in and doing. Another option might be, I can ask for headphones and listen to some music that helps me take a break for a minute. And a last option might be, I can, you know, work on some deep breathing exercises. So visualizing maybe a pinwheel or a thing of bubbles or a piece of bubble gum, you know, any sort of visualization activity that helps me take a deep breath in and a deep breath out and control some of my breathing. So let's say that these are the options that he and his daughters chose. And so as they're sitting down there, they would lay out those three options on the worksheet. And then for each of the options, we're going to get to the next portion. 
So we've done S, we've done O, and now it's disadvantages, D, sodas. So for this disadvantages section, he would break down with them for each of these options. You know, what are the cons of doing that, right? What are the cons of kicking your feet, crying, and throwing yourself on the floor? What are the cons of taking deep breaths and doing this visualizing activity? So for each of them, they would list off some of the disadvantages. And then just below that, for each of them, they would list off some of the advantages. And that's our soda. So we got to the A, and the last part of this practice is going down and finding a solution. So we've evaluated our options, we've gone over the pros and cons, and now let's decide which one do you want to move forward with doing. So after doing this practice with his girls and breaking down the worksheet, Mark is able to then prompt his daughters with the coping skill that they decided on, and this helps bring in their voice. So the next time that there's a meltdown, He's using the coping skill that they've already identified and practiced. Now, Mark and I continued to incorporate other parenting skills that we teach at Smarter Parenting, and one of those was preventive teaching. So we talked about how to then take the coping skill that they chose and use preventive teaching in order to improve their ability to practice and implement that coping skill that they had done. Now, the really powerful thing in this preventive teaching exercise is that we do a role play. And so Mark demonstrated for his daughters exactly how to use the coping skill. He did the visualizing activity of doing deep breaths, and then he has his daughter do it as well. And now going through and doing this physical role play really prepares them to feel comfortable with the movements of the coping skill when it comes time for using it in real life. So now that they've practiced it and tried it out at a neutral time, the girls helped have a voice in what they were going to use as a coping skill, and they've been able to have the opportunity to physically go through the movements of applying that coping skill. And we're ready for the meltdown. (laughs) So when they have their next situation where they're escalated or they're reactive or they're triggered by whatever is going on, then they can start to prompt their daughters to use the coping skills that they selected. So you can use this in your family, and you can practice, go through that neutral time, and then in the moment of the meltdown, start to use that as a tool to prompt them. Now, one of the key components they are going to do here is not offer them every single coping skill in the book. Stick to just one or two. You can give them options in that moment, right? If you've practiced two different options, listening to the loud music or looking at the lava lamp timer as maybe their two coping skills, then in that moment of the meltdown, offer them both choices, right? So which one would you like to use if those are available? I recommend that you practice with your kids and have a toolbox built of about three to five coping skills for each of them um, that are individualized to their needs and their interests. And some of those coping skills you'll swap out over time. Kids will change, they'll grow up, they'll need different things that they can try out, or they'll experience different emotions that need different coping mechanisms. But we don't want to give them every single thing under the book in that moment. Having too many choices actually fuels the fire of what they're going through. So instead, focus on having them have a toolbox that they have built of three to five different coping skills, and then you can offer them one, two, or three different options maybe um, in that moment of distress, but again, not too many things. So in that moment of meltdown, a couple things could happen. One is that you could prompt your child or give them a choice and they could choose the coping skill and try it out and start to calm down their body. And another is that they could refuse to try and just continue with their meltdown because that's what they've been doing before to manage the emotion. 
Either one, probably both, are going to come up and happen in your home as you're working on implementing these coping skills. And that's okay. Know that it's not going to be perfect right off the bat. Even though you practiced, still probably won't be perfect right off the bat. So instead, remain consistent. And I want you to keep on trying out these same coping skills that you've prepared for. If it's not working or they're not willing to try it, then that means you need to increase the number of times that you're practicing and role-playing with your child so that they're more equipped to use it in that moment of distress. Once you guys have tried it, maybe it's been a week and there have been some times that they haven't been willing, there have been some times that they have been willing, and still, it's not really highly effective. After about a week of using it consistently, of them actually following through and trying it out in that moment of distress, at least a few times, then you can decide, maybe it's time to switch it up and go back to your problem-solving method, right? Sit down with the sodas worksheet, lay out some different coping skill options, and then try again. So your child can help say, you know, I really feel like the lava lamp isn't helping me. It's just something to look at, but my mind is still, there's so much going on and I'm thinking so many things when I'm overwhelmed. And so then you know, okay, so we need to do something that helps manage your thoughts a little bit better. So that might be an activity that involves more distraction, or that might be an activity that involves them talking things through, or listening to music, or those kinds of things that might help manage all the noise that's going on in their brain. And so you can swap it and try out something different. After you guys have worked through your sodas worksheet and tried out a different coping mechanism, then do the same steps. Practice it at the neutral times. Role play it. Show them you doing it. They can try it. And be prepared for those moments of distress when they need to use it and be ready to prompt them with it. Hey, you're looking like you're getting really overwhelmed because I see your shoulders are so tight. Why don't you go ahead and go try listening to the music that we set up on your iPod? After about a week of trying this out and having your child actually implement some of the coping skill, see how that goes and see if it works and see if it's effective and talk to them about it. But talk about it, not in that moment of panic and distress, right? That's not a good time to evaluate whether a coping skill is working. My four-year-old lately has been very focused on telling me he's got a stuffed animal and its name is Pickle and he will be having a meltdown and I will offer a coping skill suggestion and Pickle is a stuffed animal. He's not always around, so he's not always the coping skill that's available. But when we're dealing with this and, and Pickle is not one of the options that I give him, he'll tell me, Pickle is the only thing that makes me happy. And we have to practice and try out different things or he really will genuinely think that. And so we try out different coping skills or we talk about how Pickle's not there, but we don't evaluate the other options that we're giving him in that moment, right? So he might feel and think Pickle is the only coping skill that makes me happy. The reality is, is Pickle isn't available and something else can help him calm down. He just needs to try it out. So I might do things like I'll hold both of his hands and we'll take deep breaths at the same time. And my breath, I will make go faster and he has to copy it, or my breath will make go slower, and he has to copy that too. And that practice or that exercise, although he says it's not very effective, we're able to do it and calm down his body, and then once he's all the way calm and de-escalated, we can practice and try out a variety of coping skills at that calm moment, but it's not a time to evaluate the coping skills in that moment of stress and panic and crying. Now I'm pulling in all the skills into this because I, I would love for you to see how comprehensive the smarter parenting skills can be. We've talked about using the SOTAS method. We've talked about preventive teaching. And, and now let's talk about a little bit of other things that you can do to really reinforce your child's use of coping skills. Now, my son and I practice coping skills all of the time. 
and we work on implementing them, right? He's four years old, so we get a lot of feelings. <laughs> and when those feelings come up and he uses a coping skill, whether by me prompting or on his own, I really reinforce that. And I use the skill of effective praise to reinforce that because I really want him to understand and know exactly what he's doing correctly so that he'll continue to implement that. And what I see happen is that over time, by praising his use of coping skills, I then don't need to prompt him to use the coping skill. He goes straight into using it because we've really reinforced this concept of being able to use a coping skill to calm your body down. And so then I will see him get overwhelmed or frustrated. I can watch and see his body start to get tense and then start to relax as he implements deep breaths or getting his stuffed animal or any of the other coping skills that are in his toolbox. And I continue to reinforce that, but I'm able to build some autonomy in him because he, he understands and knows exactly what to do. And so that's when I, as a parent, am transitioning a little bit from this co-regulation where I'm working with my child to calm down, which is a very important first step. Every child needs to start with co-regulation. But gradually over time, we're getting to some self-regulation, which is going to be so critical for him as he grows up and becomes an adult because there's going to be situations where he needs to be able to calm himself down. And what a powerful tool to be able to teach him that. And the way that we get him from point A to point B, from that co-regulation to the self-regulation, is through effective praise and really reinforcing and engaging in those positive things that he should be doing. The other thing that I use is correcting behaviors. So you can see our skill on correcting behaviors because sometimes, even though he knows how to use a coping skill and I will prompt him to use a coping skill, we will still have a prolonged tantrum of him using a lot of negative behaviors that I'm not looking for him to use to, to de-escalate. And we will have, you know, this whole tantrum that goes on before he eventually calms down or gets tired and no longer has the tantrum. And at the end of that situation, because that's not the behavior that I was looking for him to do, we will calm all the way down, work on de-escalating, and then once we get back to that neutral point, we'll practice what he should have done instead. And we'll use the skill of correcting behaviors to help him go back and say, okay, so this is what happened, but this is what should have happened, and now let's go back and practice that and try it out. And this consistency in positively reinforcing his positive behaviors and the coping skills that I'm looking for him to use, as well as correcting the negative behaviors when he doesn't apply the coping skill um, or listen to the prompt that I'm asking him to use a coping skill, helps really reinforce what he should be doing and how he should respond, and it builds up a pattern. And he really starts to understand and grasp some of that difference. So now that I've pulled all the skills in the book out, <laughs> I want you to start with step one. And if you remember, the first step was to just try out using the sodas method and work out with your child what coping skills they want to try out. Now you can use this whole entire toolbox or if you feel like you're struggling and you need some help, you're welcome to reach out to us on the website and even sign up for some coaching where we can guide you through this process one-on-one -on -one and help you orchestrate how to pull all of these parenting skills together. But something that you can take away today is just trying out that step one. Go sit down with your kid, print out a sodas worksheet from our website, and map out the different coping skills that they want to try out. If you follow us on Instagram, we'll throw up some coping skills that you are welcome to try at home and, and see if they work for your family, as well as some suggestions of how to make it a game to practice. Once you've chosen a coping skill, then practice and reinforce that coping skill. And really try to implement it in your home and in your family. And after you've tried it for a little while, go back and evaluate, is this working? Is it not working? And 
Try switching things up if you need to. You can use a variety of different coping skills, but remember that you want to try to get three to five different skills in their toolbox. Thanks for listening along, and we're excited to hear about how this works in your homes and your families. So please give us feedback. Let us know, and we'd love to hear your stories about you using coping skills in your family. Have a great day. Thank you.